What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. I'm your host of the show, Brian Ruka. With me, as always, over there is Juice, producing a wonderful show, hopefully. But I know he will, because he always does. The Juice Box, ladies and gentlemen. He's there. He's making sure this show gets out on time, even though he's going to pick his mom up at the airport today. So look at that. Multi-talented and good to his mom. What a good guy over there. Well done, Mr. Juice. Well done, sir. For those of you who have gotten accustomed to the shout-outs that I've been giving out uh, the last couple weeks, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer this time because my man over there, Juicebox, put out a plea with the listeners of the Right and Wrong show to try and get me, the host of the show, up to 50 followers on Twitter for an Easter Sunday miracle and you failed us you our listeners so until i hit 50 followers at dd ruka 617 on twitter the shout outs are gonna stay right here in my back pocket so if you want the shout outs if you enjoyed hearing your name on this fabulous podcast help get me up there please with the followers spread us around tell your friends Follow us, like us on all of our things. You know where to email us. We are rightandwrong617 at gmail.com. All one word. Um, you know, we have the YouTube page. We got a Rumble page. I just created a Locals account. I created an account on something called G-E-T-R-R, whatever that is. I'm not sure. Um, we got the Facebook page. We have the Instagram thing. We got all of it, man. All of it out there. We're looking to add more, but we need your help. Please follow the show on Apple and Spotify and encourage a friend to do the same. Throw us a comment in the comments section. Interact with the show a little bit on our social media networks. We'll talk about it on on here next week. All right. Oh, by the time you listen to this show, I'm probably going to be in line already going to hear um, a speech by... The Daily Wire's own Michael Knowles at Boston University tonight. No, you are. No, uh, I am rubber and you are glue. And, uh, Senator, excuse me, Senator, whatever you say will bounce off of me and stick to you. (laughs) The Young Americans Foundation has invited him to come and speak. And yours truly, we got, uh, I got myself a reserved spot to go see it. I'm going to bring... Bring Miss uh, the beautiful Ashley along with me, and that's how you go on a date night as 37-year-olds in this day and age. Go show up to a college speaking engagement from a political right-wing commentator. Wow. And, and, Miss Ashley said she doesn't even want to have a glass of wine tonight. Just going to maybe get a nice coffee or something. Wow, man. Being an adult, baby. That's what we do. So, hopefully... Michael Knowles crushes it. I, uh, I'm, I'll try and get a little bit of video of the protesters that I'm sure will be out there shouting at us, telling us that we're bigots or something, trying to go into the show. And uh, I'm going to bring a bunch of my business cards and try and 
generate a little bit of buzz for the Right and Wrong show amongst those college-age kids, too. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a fun night. I'll let you guys know about it next week. On today's show, however, we got some great topics up ahead. We're going to be talking about the mask mandate that got removed from traveling. Um, So if you're going on an airplane, any of that good stuff, no more masks, baby. Woo! We're also going to hit on a story here in Boston that was a racially motivated attack in Boston's downtown crossing just, uh, I think, last night or the night before. And the story about the Libs of TikTok account that, that got exposed, I guess, for lack of a better word, this past week. So we'll go, get into that story, too, that was in the Washington Post. And our Come On Man segment of the day. Oh, we're going back to the well with the groomer. One of these professors up at UNH trying to normalize pedophilia. So stay tuned for that. Other, uh, you know, other than that, I think that's all the stuff we needed to get to, right, Juice? So leaves us with nothing else to do but uh, get ready to hear from our good friend, Mr. Rick Flair, when he lets us know that it's showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! Woo! All right, all right. So, uh, before I get into my little rant here, I do have to say, Juice, I'm pretty impressed at us. Uh, we're, we're two months in now. This will be our eighth show today. You know, we've been doing it now for two straight months. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Pretty, pretty good. When uh, when we started this, I was hoping that we'd be able to um, catch on a little bit, hoping to be able to pull this off to get our stories out there to get our voices heard and uh we're doing it man we're doing good so far and hopefully we can start adding more and more and more to it need your support like we keep saying we need the help so please get us out there help help uh blow this show up and now that we're two months in that means uh my producer over there only has to wait 10 more months until he can release that package of um outtakes and bloopers that he has that he's that he's been storing up from all of my stuff here it is uh not gonna be too fun for me but that was the promise i made to him i said hey we make it a whole year doing this go ahead man you can embarrass the hell out of me by putting together all my ah ooh ah psst, ah ooh, hee, all my noises You'll be able to put them all out there, and it's not going to be fun. I'm sure you guys will get a kick out of that. All right. So, did anybody see um, the Easter Bunny directing a president around at the White House over the weekend? Yeah. The person dressed in the Easter Bunny costume at the White House was guiding Joe Biden around, coming in and cutting him off when he was talking about something they didn't want him to be talking about. And uh, one of the clips was awesome. He looked like he was scared out of his mind when the big bunny popped up right next to him. Whoa. <laughs> it was awesome. And he looked like like a deer in the headlights and then scampered off away from all the people. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the footage already. It's out there. Look it up. It's hilarious. I'll try and retweet something on my page, too. Maybe that will help get me some followers. Who knows? But, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely hilarious. A little bit. Sad that that's uh, the leader of 
the greatest, largest, most important country in the world, but that's who we elected. That's who the people here in the United States decided to put in charge of this country. That, my friends, is yet another reason why I'm on board with the Matt Walsh idea about putting a age limit on the end of how old someone should be or could be to be eligible to become president of the United States. We all know about 35 years old to run for president, but what about how old you, you, you theoretically could run as the president for the presidency of the United States at 90, 95 years old, 100 years old? Come on, that's ridiculous. I mean, this guy is has lost it. We can all see it, and it, it's just getting out of hand. We got to do something about that. But you know what? I think there's a reason why we haven't done anything about it, and it's because the left would love nothing else more than what they have in place right now. They love the fact that President Biden's nothing more than a figurehead for them. Because who gets to be in control? Who gets to make all these decisions? The unelected bureaucracy. It's the people we don't know. The people in the shadows, behind the scenes. That's why Biden's always saying, oh, they told me I should talk to this person. They told me I can't ask, uh, call on this reporter. And that's why the Easter Bunny's directing them where, where to go. Uh, that's why Dr. Jill is telling them when to clap, when to respond. This guy's not making any decisions on his own. He tries to put the lab coats in charge of everything. Anything he tries to do. CDC's in charge of it. Um, the the uh, CIA, the FBI, the, um, the God only knows what else. Another th- one more three-letter agency. TWA. Is that a thing? I don't know. You know who I'm talking about. The people who... Check in. TSA. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, Juice. Um, (laughs) But that's what they would rather have. The left loves governmental control. So they want all these different groups, all these different agencies that they can create, that they can be in charge of, that they can um, appoint all their buddies to to run, and that are going to go along with the left-wing narrative with the talking points and then the figurehead only has to go out there and say well we got our top people in charge of it blah 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 we're gonna follow their recommendation and we have to all sit back and take it um i don't know about you but i decide you know you know when i make a make a vote on a politician when i'm looking at what they do i want to know what they're going to do I understand that they're going to have people that help guide their decisions. Their job is to weigh the pros and cons of the things that they're being told. So they're not supposed to, I don't want them to just go with what Dr. Fauci is going to tell them to do, right? I want him to weigh what Fauci might have to tell them along with weighing the cost it's going to have on our economy, on our um small businesses on on the public in general and make decisions based on that don't just do what the lab coat tells you to do in the background 
if we were going to do that, why have a president at all? Why not just, oh, we all these agencies are going to be in charge of everything. We'll just go with whatever is recommended from them. No, we have somebody in place. We elect a president so that that person can make the best decision for our country. But this guy clearly is not doing that. They're happy to be in the background, make their decisions, and now we can't do anything about it because we don't even know who's really pulling the strings. But I blame the American public for this one. Why we allow these people, why, like why we are willing to vote for people that are going to just stand back and give away all their control, give away all their power. It's insane. We need to start taking it back for us. We, the people. I'll finish up here with this quote that I heard from John Adams. I'm sure it's a pretty famous one. Sue me for not knowing it already. I'm sorry, but I tend to like it. Adams said, quote, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. I think that sums up where we're at as a nation right now perfectly. Perfectly. And it's why I like to talk about religion and faith so much on this show as well. If we give control of this country to a whole group of people who have no morals, have no religious values, have no religion other than the religion of leftism, what are we going to be left with? A wholly inadequate constitution. And that's what the left is making that document for us. They've been chipping away at it for years. They want to use it when it's convenient to them, and they want to they, they want to ignore it when it's not. Can't let them do that. We need to start getting back to electing people that have moral, religious views. Just like our boy John Adams said way back when. Right, Juice? President John Adams. Good luck. Okay, so you've all heard by now about the mask mandate being uh, removed from federal travel. There was a judge, a federal judge in Florida, that ruled on the uh, on a case and determined that the CDC exceeded its authority in this matter and that they can't force the mask mandates to be required for travel. Great, great news. It was awesome. So essentially, the judge is saying, hey, we're two years into 15 days to slow the spread. You guys have to let it, give us a better reason you have to explain the decision to have these mask mandates still in place under temporary emergency powers. It's awesome. Making the government actually have to prove their nonsense. And it was met by mostly excited, happy people. And you could see just by what ended up happening afterwards. 
as soon as this came into effect, as soon as this was ruled upon, this essentially meant that airlines could decide for themselves if they wanted to have a mask mandate, a mask requirement in place to fly on their airplane. And they all dropped them, one after another. But we need to push back more. We need more people to, to, to push the envelope with this stuff because we can't continue to let these these leftist progressive germaphobes can continue to make public policy for all of us they have that ability go ahead walk around with it with a face shield on all you want you're gonna look like the weird one we're not all gonna play along wearing a mask just to make you feel better about yourself okay and the airlines don't want to do it either they were forced to do it that's how anything is getting done by the Biden administration, by the left in general. I mean, look what happens here in, in Boston with Mayor Mandate, Mayor Wu over there, Queen Wu. She can't get any policy. She can't get um, enough people to convince to go along with her stuff, so she just mandates it. Same with Biden. And this judge in Florida was awesome. Oh, and how about the fact that the judge is a 35-year-old who was appointed a 35 year old woman who was appointed by Trump. So, you know, the strong, like stand up for what's right type of woman. That's not this one, according to the left. Now this one's unqualified for her job and um, doesn't know what she's doing. Inexperienced because she's too young, blah, blah, blah. They're going to tell you about this woman's age at 35 years old, but have no problem with the knucklehead getting, getting shown around by the Easter bunny at, 70 whatever 78 75 whatever the hell old he is guys clearly lost it look tomorrow's superstar tuesday and you have no problem with his age hypocrisy from the left at its at its finest my friends but hey listen to uh listen to this i think juice you were able to find some of these clips right the reactions from people flying when they got uh told that they no longer have to wear masks Listen to this. Listen to the, the chairs and hoorays from everybody. Delta position is masks will be optional this evening for all crew and passengers as well. So it is cause to celebrate, but for those who want to wear masks, please feel free to. Oh, yeah. Yep. These mandates, these masks on, uh, on planes, they're real popular with the American people. Don't forget, too that the Biden administration did not give up their power on their own. They were forced to give it up. Any of these COVID stuff, any of these restrictions that have been put in place, these politicians, the leftists and the progressives, they do not give away their power on, the, on their own. Anytime they've lost any power, any of these things that we've gained back for ourselves as citizens have gone to court. Think about that for a minute. These people, they're power hungry and they're not giving it up. They want to keep the crisis in play. They use fake emergencies, fake crisis, fake. They know they can't do it the right way, so they're going to do it under the disguise of emergency temporary powers. And then those temporary powers are going to remain in place until the courts make them give it up. Listen to what Saki had to say when she was uh, asked about this by our favorite reporter from Fox News, Mr. Zach Morris. Uh, I mean, Peter Ducey. 
I can't really tell them apart. Has anybody ever seen those two people in the same room at the same time? I don't know. But listen to Saki on this one. Thank you, Jen. Uh, you said about this mask ruling out of a federal court in Florida that it's a disappointing decision, and you say you continue to recommend that people wear masks. <laughs> Why is it that we can sit here in the White House briefing room with no masks, but people can't sit in an airplane cabin with no masks? Well, Peter, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. That I'm aware of, if you're a doctor. I wasn't aware of that today, and until today. Right. Okay, not a doctor. Just making sure. I don't know. Um, and nor do you play one on TV. Nor does he play one on TV. There you go. Most days. Um, but these determinations. Remember, the masking guidance is there are is green, yellow, and red. We are currently in a green zone in Washington D.C. So they're not recommending it. Some people can still wear a mask if they want to. Many people do, or wear them in meetings, or wear them at certain times where you're going to be around or sitting close to people, or maybe you have an immunocompromised parent or or friend. And so people make that decision. And there's this is based on health considerations and data that the CDC looks at about transmissibility, as as we've seen an increase in cases on on airplanes. And would the president support? If a flight is leaving from an airport in a green zone, those people don't have to wear masks? Again, Peter, there's a di there's been long a difference from the beginning about people on an airplane and in uh, federal transportation vehicles and situations than where they are in locations. Like, we here, here continue to be in Washington, D.C., a green zone. But what we'd ask for, I think it's important to remember, is a two-week extension, or not asked for, what we had announced was a two-week extension to look at the data and make recommendations based on the data and the science about whether it should be continued or not. Yep. Um, there you go. I mean, that's is that the, the default uh, left-wing answer for everything now? After Judge Jackson used the I'm not a biologist thing? So now, Saki, I'm not a doctor. So who am I to say, like, get out of here with that. You're not a doctor. Okay. Um, so that means you can't be in favor of removing a mask mandate, but you not being a doctor can still insist on having a mask mandate. How's that work? Like, you, so you are a doctor when it means, you know, required masks on planes, but when you get asked about not having them on planes or, or not being required to have to wear them on a plane, now you're not a doctor. These people are ridiculous. And you heard the other stuff there that she was throwing out. Oh, people still choose to wear them in a meeting, uh, at close quarters, whatever, whatever, whatever she was saying. Yeah, they still have that choice. They've had that choice this entire time. So why are you mandating people that don't want to do that in making making them wear a mask all those same people that she cited could wear a mask on a plane if they want they can wear it anywhere they want they can wear it in a green yellow red blue purple or white zone whatever you want them to do they can wear it in all of those zones no matter how serious the covid is or not serious the problem with all this is you're not only allowing people to wear those when they want to you're forcing people that do not want to wear them to wear masks, to wear diapers on their face, to muzzle themselves. Oh, hey, hey, if you're going to come any closer, would you mind wearing a, you know, chin diaper? That's the issue. I don't know if you need to be a doctor to figure that one out. I don't know if you need to be the press secretary to answer a legitimate question or not. 
I'm not the press secretary. I'm not, you know, so I don't know what that feels like. Like I mentioned before, I'm a guy talking on a microphone in my daughter's bedroom. That's it. That's who I am. So does that qualify me to have an opinion on this or no? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she would say I don't qualify to have an opinion. Who am I? I'm just an American citizen. I'm just a voter. I'm just a taxpayer. I'm just a father. <laughs> like, why should I have an opinion? Wow. Remember, remember what we said. This is the theme of the episode right here. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. People like Saki, representing, representing the uh, figurehead of a president, they do not have any morals. They do not have a religion. So they're not using our system of government correctly. That's the danger, my friends. And we need to start calling it out. We need to realize it. We need to recognize it. We need to say it when we see it. See something, say something. I think that's what they say out there, right, Juice? Again, who am I? I don't know. I'm just a guy. So for this next story that we got, um, here in Boston in downtown Crossing, uh, a group of teenagers viciously beat somebody up based on the hairstyle that the person was wearing. It was uh, racially motivated, bigoted, and just a attack based on the color of this person's skin and the way they looked. We're going to play a couple of clips for you here. And we're going to see how this story was covered by local news stations. So we're going to start off from the local Fox 25 Boston news affiliate here. And we'll let, uh, we'll let the reporting of the story do the talking for me. So, Juice, you got that one? All right, fire it up. Five young teenage girls are charged in the brutal beating of a young woman in downtown Crossing. Witnesses say as many as 20 teens swarmed that victim before the attack. Boston 25 News reporter Drew Caritas live in downtown Crossing. Where Drew, police say it's a group really been harassing the area for a few weeks now. Carrie, investigators say teenagers have been attacking people and vandalizing businesses here in downtown Crossing. Witnesses say as many as 20 teen girls as young as 12 pounced on a young woman, punching and stomping on her, all apparently because of her hairstyle. I see them chasing after her, pounding on her, knocked her off her bike and just got on her and kicking her, punching her. The unprovoked attack that Christopher Jackson says he witnessed by the flower stand he works at involved a large group of violent teenage girls and a young woman who was trying to get away from them. And I heard them saying something to the white girl. She had braids. The one that they beat up. A police report says the attacker shouted white expletive with braids before the beatdown near the intersection of Washington and Winter Streets Monday night just before 7. When witnesses tried to intervene, police say the teens got violent with them too. And they were going after them. <laughs> I mean, 
little girls after adults. A responding officer says one of those girls yelled at him, what you want to do, before being met with a sudden punch to his face. A police report says the teens also attacked other responding officers and hurled racially motivated insults at them. And what's reportedly just the latest in a recent barrage of juvenile incidents in the area, involving fighting, disturbances inside businesses, vandalism, assaults on citizens and police officers, and civil rights violations. And they always had, they always fight. I know. I was called the cop. The owner of Black Seed Cafe says the cops were called to his restaurant last month for a wild fight involving teens. And just two days before that, police say aggressive teens attacked an 81-year-old man inside a nearby McDonald's. Earlier that same day, investigators alleged that a group of juveniles began shouting Black Lives Matter inside Silvertone Bar after the staff there refused to serve them alcohol. Police say those teenagers spat on an employee and customers before shattering the front door of the establishment. Customer didn't want to come here because of them. It would be nice if they took care of them. The police report says the five teenagers charged in last night's attack were the main aggressors captured on a cell phone video. As for whether the beating is being investigated as racially motivated, police say the department's civil rights unit has been notified. We're live in downtown Crossing. Drew Caritas, Boston 25 News. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty, pretty sick kind of a story, huh? Whole group of teens attacking somebody. They were attacking a, uh, as the report told you there, a white um, girl that had braids. They were saying, the, the girls attacking her were yelling, white expletive with braids, right, from the police report. They yelled at police officers, punched a police officer that responded. They were yelling racial insults at the police officers. Um, talks about civil rights being violated. What else did it talk about? Oh, talked about um, how a group of teens might be these same ones. I think they, they suspect it could be some of these same teens yelling Black Lives Matter inside of a bar that refused to serve them as they spit on the owner and people leaving. Wow, that's some some nasty stuff. I don't care what side of the the aisle you're on. You don't want white people doing that to black people. You don't want black people doing that to white people. Let's call a spade a spade here, okay? It's just not good. But we know the society we're in right now, the world that we're living in, one side is highlighted and in, in frowned upon, and the other side of it is advocated for or um, you know, brushed under the rug or simply not covered. And I want to stress that not covered aspect of it for you, because we got another clip here from ABC News here in Boston covering this exact same story. And you're going to notice some very, very major differences in the way that this story is being reported. So, Juice, why don't you um, pull that one up for us? In the last four weeks, Boston police have responded to at least nine incidents in this area. They involve teens fighting, vandalism, and assaults, including on police officers. 
Boston police say the recent string of incidents involve a specific group of violent juveniles terrorizing the downtown crossing area. We feel like it's just getting worse around here. The latest happening yesterday. Investigators say video shows five juveniles, one as young as about 12, punching and kicking a woman. Chris Jackson works nearby and says the victim, who's about 20, was riding her bike. And just like 15 of them chasing her and beating the crap out of their own. Police say they got the call while they were across the street at the Macy's where they were responding to a fight. When they got outside, they found 20 young teens and the victim with an injury to her head. They took off with her bag, her cell phone, whatever else they had that she had dropped. She got up and had no idea what was going on. This is one of several incidents. Last month, police say an 81-year-old man was attacked at this McDonald's by four juveniles, one of them smacking him in the head. And over at the Silvertone Bar and Grill, three young teens shattering the bar's storefront window when they ordered alcohol and were denied service. The Black Seed Cafe on Tremont Street, also the scene of a fight. We called the cop and the cop separated them. And they keep fighting even when the cop was head. Business owners in this area are frustrated. I'm losing business, so I hope they can do something about it. And police say in some of these incidents, officers were punched, others were spit on. And in one incident, a juvenile went up to a police cruiser and tried to open the door, they believe, in an attempt to free one of their friends who had been arrested. We're live in downtown Crossing, Nathalie Pozo, WCVB. Does that paint two completely different stories for you or what? I mean, they still talk about the violent attack, but notice what they leave out of it. The ABC story says specific group of teens, and they also say punching, kicking a woman, whereas the Fox story tells you that that woman is a white woman and was being attacked for having braids, along with the police report quotes from the people doing the attacking that said white expletive with braids, clearly with a racial attack on their minds. The second story there, also, no mention about yelling Black Lives Matter in the bar that they were refused service in. They mentioned the being refused service in the bar. Well, they did tell us the uh, added detail about smashing a window or something like that. But they left out the Black Lives Matter part of it and the spitting on people. Even when they talk about the... Um, the punch thrown at the Boston police officer. They say the punch and they say spit. They make no mention about the racial um, insults that were yelled at the police officers during that attack. You notice how they conveniently leave those parts out of it. Now, one of our favorite things to do is flip the script around, right? What would be the lead of this story? What would anybody be talking about? Every news channel would be covering it and they would all be highlighting it a group of white nationalist extremists right-wing neo-nazis kkk supporters attack uh, a, a black person in a in a racially motivated attack but look what's happening here how is that any different neither one of them are acceptable but why is the left in the media so invested with hiding some of the stories and highlighting others? You know the answer. I just want to ask the question. 
because nobody's doing that either. Before we wrap up this story, this really struck me because a couple of weeks ago, I almost did a story um, on one of our shows about the rep in our area here, the Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who was up there grandstanding, making a speech when they got this bill passed about hair discrimination. If anybody sees the video, she's up there with a big, big smile on her face, all loud and proud, happy to be a, a supporter. And, um, you know, I think one of the creators of this hair discrimination bill that she really pushed for. If you see the video, just ignore the fact that she's dressed like Pennywise the Clown and try and listen to what she's actually saying. And uh, we got that for you here, too. OK, listen to this one. I rise today on the floor of the House of Representatives, the People's House, to declare that black girls with our braids, locks, afros, all forms of natural hairstyles, and yes, even our smooth, alopecian, bald heads belong everywhere. Today, we take an important step towards codifying this fact into law by passing the Crown Act legislation. I'm so proud to co-lead in partnership with Representatives Watson Coleman, Moore, Lee, and Omar. For too long, black girls have been discriminated against and criminalized for the hair that grows on our heads and the way we move through and show up in this world. In my home state, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, two twin sisters, Deanna and Maya, high school students, were disciplined for showing up with braids. They were given numerous detentions, kicked off the track team, banned from prom solely for their hairstyle. In their own words, these scholars and athletes were judged more for their heritage than their homework. No more. For those sisters and thousands of other students who face discrimination based on their hair, the Crown Act is for you. For recent graduates who fear they must change their hair or cut their locks to secure a job, the Crown Act is for you. For our elders who have faced and fought this racism for generations, the Crown Act is for you. Just yesterday, the Massachusetts State Legislature made history by passing similar legislation. By passing the Crown Act today, we affirm, say it loud, black is beautiful and so is our hair. Whether you are a student in a classroom, an employee in the workplace, or the next Supreme Court justice, or the speaker pro tem, you deserve to show up as your full self, rocking your crown with your head held high. I urge a yes vote for every person who has been asked to shrink or to apologize simply for the beautiful way with which God made them. I yield back. Uh, apparently the Crown Act is for Everybody except this uh, woman who got beat up and attacked and viciously assaulted for having braids in her hair. I mean, how dare she wear braids in her hair as a white woman? I mean, the Crown Act, as Ayanna Presley told us, is for black girls and brown girls everywhere. It's okay to be rocking your braids, rocking your hairstyle any way you want, unless you're white. Because Ayanna Presley has said nothing about this. We're getting some big fat crickets from, from the Crown Act crew over there. Where are they now? Why isn't this woman respected and protected for wearing her hair a specific way? Is she being discriminated based on the hairstyle that she has? Well, maybe when, what did they say when they attacked her? White expletive with braids. Okay, so sounds to me like they don't approve. Whoever attacked her does not approve of her hairstyle. 
I thought that's what the Crown Act was there to protect. Isn't that supposed to help people like that? I mean, I'm not happy that, you know, apparently the people she mentioned were um, banned from going to a prom or were disciplined in school for having a hairstyle. But I think uh, not being able to attend attend a dance and, and getting a detention is maybe a little bit um, better than getting your ass kicked for having a hairstyle, uh, getting assaulted, getting viciously attacked for a hairstyle. I say this all again just to point out the hypocrisy that we have, the double standard that's in place. The left wants to play racial politics with everything. So the fact that this woman is white and beat up for braids does not fit that narrative. So they're going to ignore it. But if it was a black woman with braids who got beat up, you better believe the al- alopecia crew, the uh, Crown Act team, would be loud and proud talking about how horrible this is and how it needs to stop in this country. But, you know, as John Adams said, our Constitution was made only for moral and religious people. And these people are not moral and they're not religious. They're users and abusers. All right. So this next story we have involves the uh, libs of TikTok handle. If anybody, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this or not, but um, a lot of videos that have been posted online of the creepy teachers um, that we use on this show and more importantly on, you know, the Fox News channel or or major right wing um, broadcasts. A lot of clips like that come from this TikTok account, uh, this Twitter handle that's called Libs of TikTok. So what this person does is literally repost videos that have been posted by crazy left-wing activists. This Libs of TikTok page just takes stuff that, say, like a teacher goes on a rant talking about something that they post online, the libs, and t- libs of TikTok finds that video and just shares it from their own account so that people see, might see more eyeballs, might see it, whatever, highlight it. Um, but it's stuff that's already out there. So somebody who gets put on libs of TikTok has already made the decision to video themselves to say what they have to say, and to post that to the internet. They complain after the fact when it becomes a viral video and Tucker Carlson uses it on his show to show everybody, to show America what some of these teachers are saying about their classrooms and and about what they teach your children in schools. So because this site, this, uh, this, this, handle, I don't even know what what you call them, the Libs of TikTok page has become so popular, the left has to attack it. So, they sent out Taylor Lorenz from the Washington Post. Remember that name, okay? She wrote this article 
where she exposed the person behind the account, the libs of TikTok. Now, up until this point, the person who runs the account remained anonymous because they did not want to get all like the harassment online, people showing up at their door, uh, messing with their work, any of that stuff. So this person remained anonymous, did some interviews here and there, um, was actually on with Tucker Carlson, um, I think a week ago, week and a half ago, and remained anonymous even on that interview. So this Washington Post reporter, Taylor Lorenz, with the help of some big tech uh, behind-the-scenes string pulling, were able to locate or, or, or figure out who the person is behind the Libs of TikTok account. It happens to be a woman from Brooklyn, um, New York, I believe, who's a real estate agent and just simply wanted to have the account to show people what is being said online. Noble enough cause in my mind. Uh, I mean, that's one of my biggest issues. That was my whole issue with the Boston um, School Committee and, and the story with, with my son and everything. Not enough parents, not enough people actually realize what is being said or what is being taught, what is being done. So thank God there's an account like Libs of TikTok who show that, who who have brought that to more people's attention because it's dangerous. We don't like, I don't want people teaching my kids some of the stuff that these these people are saying online and the mindset and the arrogance that it takes to post stuff like that online and be proud of it. And then to have the guts to complain about the fact that more people have seen your video now after you willingly put it out there. I don't like it one bit. I mean, I'd be in favor of having cameras in the classrooms. You know, we want to insist that police wear body cameras. Why not let parents tap in to uh, see what their kids are being taught and, and lectured about in school? If we're not telling them anything we wouldn't want to say in front of parents, why would you care? I don't think it's a big deal. But until we get something like that, I'm happy to watch, um, to, to see an account, to share videos of what these teachers, what some of these left-wing nut jobs are saying in their own online videos. And I know I said teachers a few times. It's not just teachers that get shared on libs of TikTok either. It just happens to be one of the most popular things um, uh, or I guess just a story that's at at the top of the news cycle these days because of the bill that got passed in Florida. And Libs of TikTok was blamed for that. That's that's why the left is out to attack and define this woman and to harass this woman. They're doing that because they're afraid that it's effective. I think someone, uh, one of DeSantis's like uh, trusted aides was able to find a lot of the stuff um, from the libs of TikTok account that showed them the need to put a bill in place like the one they put just put in place a few weeks ago that the left is freaking out about. Don't teach this stuff to little kids. And then don't go online and brag about it because we're going to find it. And that's all that this is. So this reporter, though, um, Lorenz, she found out the woman's name. She They got her phone number. They found out where she worked. 
Um, they they found family members. They were knocking on people's doors. They were trying to harass the woman because she has this account. I just want you to to think about that stuff I just said. Finding family members, harassing, exposing, whatever, that type of stuff. Because we have a clip from a few weeks back, maybe a month ago now, of an interview that the reporter who broke this story, or who wrote this story in the Washington Post, this clip we're about to play is from an interview she did with MSNBC, and she's going to talk about some interesting things. Listen to what she had to say. Hey, nice job on that story, you soulless effing Then also you'll see there's these, there's many people that are tweeting, um, you know, here's, these are Taylor Lorenz's loved ones. They have photos. Wow. These are all photos of your family members. Yeah. Children. Yeah. They'll, They'll threaten children. They'll threaten my parents. I've had to remove every single social tie. I had severe PTSD from this. I, I contemplated suicide. It got really bad. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's overwhelming. It's really hard. Oh, it's so terrifying. It's overwhelming and hard. I have PTSD over it. People are attacking my family. And the people are so vicious. And then she goes out and attacks somebody else's family, exposes somebody's um, personal information, shows up at their house, at family members' houses. No problem there because she is she's one of the good guys, I guess. She's just reporting something. People find out stuff about her. People say something about her online. And they're harassing her. They're bullies. And they've it's the the it's so hard that she's contemplating committing suicide. Give me a break already. You're a reporter. That's your job. You don't have to do that. You put yourself out there. You've made a living on telling stories about other people. Why is it okay for you to get involved with other people's personal stories, personal information, personal lives, but nobody can say anything about you? Nobody can have a comment about your personal life? Nobody can can make judgments on you? Only you're, you're the one who gets to go around and judge other people. You're the one who gets to go around and write pieces about people. But God forbid somebody flips the script on you and now you have PTSD over it. You can come up with some crocodile tears on MSNBC and put yourself in that most precious victim category that the left values so much. See... You're the victim of this story, not the person who wanted to remain anonymous. You attach your name to stories. You are willingly in the public eye. This person was trying to stay out of it personally and just repost people's clips. 
Now I get it. If you want to you wanna repost clips, great. You're, you're fair game to be found. And you found her, and you guys put, it, put her name out there. But don't, on the other hand, complain when your stuff gets put out there, when you're exposed, when people verbally attack you. What do you think the internet is? What do you think Twitter is? It is a collection of the worst of the worst. It's people behind a keyboard who will say anything they can, will, want, or want because they're behind a keyboard. They would never say some of the stuff like that to people's faces, but they'll say anything they want in the safety of their own uh, house. Get used to it. That's the world we live in. I'm sorry. I don't think it's, uh, it's right all the time. I don't think that's what people should do with it. But if you put a story out there, if you have an opinion and have a comment on something, someone else can certainly share their opinion and comment about you. If you don't want to play, don't be in the game. Go do something else. Don't write puff pieces. Don't write hit pieces on people. Write different kind of, like cover different stories then if that's what you want to do. I don't know what to tell you. But once again, the left likes to show us that there's rules for them and then rules for everybody else. And I hate to do it again. But I'm going to go all the way back to the one that I, the quote I keep going back to this show. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. When we have journalists like Taylor Lorenz fake crying and in, in, in using terms like PTSD and suicide and being a victim, and that a few weeks later doing the very thing she was complaining about being done to her. To somebody else, you have no religious morals. You have no morality at all. You're the problem with what's going on in our country right now. People like you have created the world that we live in, and now you're unhappy with the rules being used against you. Get out of here with that. You're done. Poof. Vamos. Adios. All right, all right, all right. So we've made it to the uh, always highly anticipated come on, man, segment of the day. Just remember, there's still room to be a sponsor. You can join us here, jump on board, and sponsor the segment. Remember, reach out to us, right and wrong, 617 at gmail.com. Maybe Bed Bath and Beyond wants to get in on it. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, hit us up if you want to you wanna talk about sponsoring this segment. For today's Come On Man, we're going to go up north from where I am to the University of New Hampshire, where there's a professor by the name of uh, David Finkelhor. <laughs> yep. What would you know about Finkelhor? I don't know. Let's hear, let's hear what this guy had to say. He was given a discussion, and uh, he wanted to share his thoughts about pedophilia. What, l- let's see what Professor Finkelhor had to say about this. Also, if young people are initiating sexual activities with adults or enthusiastically involved, we can't be effective in working with them 
if we assume that all such relationships start with a predatory or criminally inclined, inclined adult. The, as, as we see in the discussion, young people bridle at being forced into this uh, box of being seen as being the victim of a predator. And so there are reasons for learning about what the dynamics are and, and how to talk about them so that we can um, better help the young people who are in these situations. What? What are you talking about? Better help them by learning about the dynamics of the relationship? How about you get them away from the relationship? Get out of here with that, Finkelhor. What are you doing? You're just excusing the fact that somebody's going to be molesting a child? You're okay with that? Come on. That is what somebody is saying. That's a professor at the University of New Hampshire. Already, he, he's there. He's starting to minimize pedophilia. He's trying to, trying to frame it in a way that you're going to try to look at it and, and, you know, talk about it with your lab coat on and in an acad academic way, uh, study it, peer review this, or write a, write a research paper about um, the, the relationship between minors and, and, and adults and how it needs to be framed or how it needs to be looked at. Like, no, sorry, my friend. That's never going to be acceptable. Not okay. Get it out of here. Any conversation that has to do with adults having sexual relationships with minors starts and ends with pedophilia. Starts and ends with jail. Get them out of our communities. Shame them publicly and We've all heard the stories about what happens to those people when they get into jail. I'm fine with that, too. The NHL was a much better sport when the players were allowed to police themselves. Let the inmates police themselves a little bit, too, and see how they feel about the people that are pedophiles. This guy trying to act like it's uh, like like there's more to examine about it. He wants to dig into the to the psychology of the pedophile or of the child who isn't old enough to um, make their own decisions. He wants to examine their mindset about how they had something to do with this sexual relationship with an adult. Like what? What are we talking about here? We, we need to go back to Dawson's Creek or something and talk about Pacey getting with his, with his high school teacher or something. What you should be doing if you want to see the way these relationships play out on television is watch Olivia Benson over on SVU. You'll find out about the, the pedophiles and the scumbags that want to have sexual relationships with minors over there. I get it. I know both of those are ridiculous exaggerations because they're shows, but I think one might have sounded a little, might be a little bit more believable than the goofy high school drama drama show from 25 years ago to ha to hear people like this in the academic community talking about that in in just just the way he was speaking too like there's no disdain in his voice no disgust 
Like, don't you don't need to show the pedophile any sort of respect, my friend. You don't need to try to try to uh, class it up with your with your professor speak or whatever you're trying to do there. So uh, I don't know. And in, in the danger and the reason why I want to talk about this is because it's a broad theme with a lot of the episodes and a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show is look what's going on up there at the top of the food chain, the, the, the academic food chain. And that cycles down and down and down and down and down. Right. Who do you think he's talking to in a group like that or whatever? Those people, the students that he has, people that he talks to about stuff like that, one day could be people that become teachers themselves. And they take that type of stuff that they that they hear from knuckleheads like this guy, and now they're bringing it back into the classroom and bringing that to our younger kids, to our kindergartners, to, to my fifth grade student that I have. So it, it it starts up there, and until we keep exposing people like that and calling them out and making them feel the shame that they should feel for trying to have a like discussion the way he was about that, until we keep doing that and exposing that, it's never going to end. We need those other people that were in the class, in the Zoom with him, to call him out right then and there. And not just sit there and, and and nod along or take notes because he's the professor. People like that need to be removed from the education system. They need to be removed from academia. So, Professor David Finkelhor, I have nothing else to say about you right now except one big fat... Come on, man. And that is for you, sir. And I use that word loosely. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for joining in with us. Come back for more. Please like our show, share it, tell your friends about it, and come back next week where we'll have a bunch of other topics to talk about. Juice, thank you, sir. Great job as usual. Don't be late for the airport pickup. Tell your mom I said hello. And uh, we'll be ready to do this next week, okay? I got nothing else for the rest of you guys except thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.